Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith. And I'm Ryan. And on today's Season 2 episode, we are going to be covering the case of Cassie Jo Stoddart. You mean Season 5, Episode 2? That's what I thought I said. No, you said Season 2. Oh, shit. Hey. Season Season 5, Episode 2. You know, we've been doing this for almost a year, and it kind of feels like they start to mash together, and that maybe we are just doing Season 2. Because everything (laughs) just kind of starts, you know, we're getting close to the year mark. And when you get to that year mark, you start going, oh, wait, why does this feel so familiar? Because it was quite cold when we started this, and it's starting to get cold. (laughs) Right, right. I know that I've gotten a few, like, questions of what's going on with bonus episodes. Okay, so I wrote last season, all of last season, and I got a little lax on also doing bonus episodes. So, this coming Friday, I will have a new bonus episode for everybody coming out Ooh. of Dumb Laws. Sure. Do we want to commit to this coming Friday? Because we are going to be out of the house because we're having some work done this weekend. Oh, you are very correct. We It will be out this weekend. We'll put it that way. All right. It'll be there. I'll work on it Thursday, and if we have to do it Thursday night, well, it will be there. All right, all but right. But I'm committing that people will at least get a bonus episode because I've gotten a few people asking, hey, we're, we got used to you guys doing these, and then all of a sudden they stopped. So what happened? It, I got lazy. <laughs> shit, shit happens. Right. But you know who isn't lazy? Who's that? Our callers. Caller shoutouts? Yeah, so let's get those shoutouts. We have Shannon G. Bradley B. And Jessica W. Thank you guys so much for being callers. We really wouldn't be able to do this without you. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Okay, callers. Let's get into that second episode of the fifth season of Call Us When You're Dead. So let's hop into that trusty old time machine and head back to Pocatello, Idaho to September 22nd, 2006. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the time machine at all times. Call us when your dad cannot be responsible for any lost limbs. Here, we are going to meet a 16-year-old high school student named Cassie Jo Stoddart. She was one of the more popular students with her many friends. Along with being a straight-A student, she was said to be artistic and had a love for music. Cassie also had a caring boyfriend that she knew since the 7th grade. His name was Matt Beckham. So, do we know exactly, because she's 16 at this point, and they've known each other since 7th grade, or were, yeah, they were they knew each other since 7th grade, what grade Cassie is in at this point? I do not know specifically the grade she is in. If I had to guess, I'd say 10th. Or a junior, because I was a senior. I was 17 when I was a senior. Yeah, I was 18 when I, when I was a senior, Sue. So. I, I guess I just want to kind of give that context for the callers as to, like, put yourself in her grade level. Right, You know, right. and kind of bring she, yourself to that. She's probably not a freshman. Right. <laughs> I would hope not. Not at 16, unless she was a late start. And then there's a possibility. So, I'm I'm going to go with, because she's so, like, 
she's very popular. Typically, your more popular students are your ones that were like super smart. I mean, debatable, but. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in my school, the popular kids were typically like the straight A students, which is, you know, I guess that's how they did it over there. And with her getting straight A's, like you talked about, I'm thinking she's probably in her junior or senior year. Right. And I feel like uh, during the research, I feel like it would highlight the word high school senior. Right. So I would definitely say sophomore, junior. Yeah. She's in that range. But definitely not a freshman. Definitely not a freshman. Cassie's aunt and uncle are going out of town for the weekend, and they need a babysitter for their animals, because when you're gone, that's really what you need. They have three cats and two dogs and that just can't go with them. So they thought this would be a great opportunity for their niece to earn some cash and have their animals taken care of while they're gone. That's an awesome idea. Yeah, I mean, when you, you know, same thing that I did with you when you were on vacation. <laughs> I, 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 I house it. You house it. Yeah, so Cassie agrees, because who isn't wanting that money? Right, right. You know, and she headed over to her aunt and uncle's place, which was only a few miles from her own home. Around 6 o'clock in that, that afternoon, with her aunt and uncle gone, she invited her boyfriend over, Matt, to hang out, like you're going to when you're 16. <laughs> is that code word at that age? I think it is. Like, yeah, hey. Getting, might be getting borderline to that code. Right. My, <laughs> I got the place to myself. You want to come over? And what did what did you do in 2006? It wasn't Netflix and chill. Did you want a MySpace and chill? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, all sorts of memories. Eventually, the two decide to invite some more friends over to hang out and watch a movie. Ooh, turn it into a full-blown party. Yeah, you know, I think it's the exact thing that her aunt and uncle probably told her not to do. Right, and when you tell a teen not to do something... They are 100% going to do it. That goes number one to their list. Eventually, Ryan Draper and Tori Adamick... Adamchick? Adamchick? Okay, so we need to talk about this guy's name really quick. It's spelled T-O-R-E-Y... And we're not sure if it's a weird spelling on Troy or if it is Tory. We don't really care. He's a douche. Exactly. But I want it to be out there that I'm not purposely missaying this name. But for the context of this, I'm going to call him Tory because here you say it how you spell it. Exactly. Also, both of those two are 16 years old and come over to Cassie's aunt and uncle's place to watch the movie with her and Matt. Plain, plain and simple. They, like, cock-blocked themselves. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I, I think it's one of those times where you're in such a young age where you're like, oh, maybe, kind of, sort of, maybe I want to do something. But then you get nervous, and you're like, oh, I need my friends to come over. Let's all hang out to get rid of those nerves because maybe you're just oh, not ready at okay. that age. There you go, there you go. You know, but you don't want to feel pressured. You don't want either side to feel pressured into it. And so you're, at that point, just calling friends over to be like, let's hang out. Oh, for sure, for sure. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. After an hour or so of watching the movie, Brian and Tori said they'd rather go out to the movies instead. So they headed out. You know, I feel that's kind of rude. Like, someone just called you over and you're like, leave. Yeah, I, I feel like there's times when maybe that's appropriate to be like, hey, I got to bail or bounce. Right, right. Because maybe you're uncomfortable at it, you know, in that situation. But at the same time, 
you're 16. What is going on that you just what or, or what movie in 2006 is playing that you <laughs> desperately got to get to? Maybe it was the theater style butter popcorn. They didn't give a shit at what movie. They needed that real popcorn. Okay, can we talk about when we were in lockdown and we couldn't get that shit? How much I craved it. Right. And then we got it, and I was like, oh, God, I remember how good you were. (laughs) And then my stomach remembered. And then I went, oh, now I remember the whole story. (laughs) However, they didn't go too far. They went around the block a few times and returned to the neighborhood. They put on some dark clothes, gloves, and painted masks and sneaked back into the house. How do you get back into that house? So they went through a basement door, which one of the boys unlocked while they were visiting Cassie and Matt. Oh, so they were just purposely being sneaky at this point. Yeah, they they had the sneaks. Oh, is that like the peaks? (laughs) Yeah. Also, I gotta talk about these masks, because I've seen actual photos of them. They are fucking terrifying. They look like purge masks. Yeah, they were like white with like red. Red painting, painting on, on them, them. Like red and blue painting on them. And if you take like the theater style masks, for those of you that have taken like art or theater, you're going to know what I'm talking about. They're the plastic white, just plastic white masks. And they painted them all red and some of them had like blue outline or black outline i'm not really sure when i saw the photo if it was blue or black a majority of the mask was still white and i seen red on it with black yeah and that to me is just the purge before the purge was even a thing (laughs) right right and it's terrifying brian and tori can hear that cassie and matt were still watching the movie So, they intentionally made some loud noises to try to get their attention to make them come downstairs so they could scare them. What dicks? You know, so I have a a weird story to tell you. This is back when uh, my Aunt Bev was still alive. Okay. Okay. So, she used to throw some, like, crazy Halloween parties and we would all come over. And my cousin, Allie, was, like, kind of nervous about everything. At one point, and me and my cousin Jamie decided we were going to prank her. So I put some fake blood on my mouth and I went over to the side of the house and I made a really loud sound. And then we laid this like giant ladder on top of me. It was a metal ladder. And I just started screaming at the top of my lungs for help. And Jamie goes and gets her sister, Allie, and she's like, Allie, you got to help us. You got to help us. Keith is hurt. And Allie comes over and she's like, oh my God, what happened? What happened? And I'm like, help me. Like really getting (laughs) to her. And then all of a sudden she's like freaking out and she's getting ready to run. And I like get up. I'm like, ha ha, I got you. I don't think she's ever forgiven me for that. I don't think I would. I personally hate being scared. Yeah. And it's not that it scares me. It puts me like in an instant rage mode. Like it just pisses me off. Yeah, so, Allie, I know you listen once in a while, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Jamie, it was still funny. Still rude. <laughs> okay, maybe a little, but it, it was Halloween time. But I'm like that, you know, I'm like that story. These guys are not really doing a ha-ha. Right, right. They're, they're saying they're going to do a ha-ha. It's not going to be a ha-ha. Realizing Cassie and Matt were not reacting to the noise, they spotted the circuit breaker 
They decide to cut the power internal lights off, believing that would lure them downstairs so they could scare them that way. I don't have another story. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I've never cut the power on anybody's house because the moment that happens to me is when I freak out. Right, right. With the power out, Cassie and Matt noticed that one of the dogs were acting strange. It was barking while running through the house and stopping to growl at the basement door every once in a while. Eventually, the power came back on. Okay, so I know full well what it is to have an animal act weird. Our cat, Jakaris, likes to play this fun little game, and she only does it to me, she doesn't do it to Ryan, where she will sit either in front of me or next to me, and then she'll look up over my head her eyes will get really large and her ears will go back. And I call it her seeing a fucking ghost. And I tell her to stop every time because <laughs> it makes me nervous. And I'm just like, you don't see anything, kitty. Go away. I mean, she does do that to me a lot as well. I just give her a hand helmet. Oh, okay. I guess I've never noticed her actually doing it to you. <laughs> so it was getting late and Matt had to call his mom to have her come pick him up because he didn't have a car. You know, not many 16-year-olds do. I didn't have a car at 16. Right. And he could tell that Cassie was frightened and uneasy about the temporary power outage. Right, and we need to note that it's not just one power outage. They've done this a couple of times, where they're flicking it on and off, on and off, on and off. And that in itself would be frightening. Yeah, you know, you're sitting in a house, and pro- you know, at 16, you're probably watching like a spooky movie. They, I, I can tell you what movie they were watching. What movie? They were watching Kill Bill Volume 2. Oh, okay. Well, not really spooky, but <laughs> I guess unless you're a man that's afraid of women that can kill you. That's pretty scary. I mean, anybody <laughs> that can kill you is scary. Exactly. Doesn't have to just be a female. <laughs> but I do find female serial killers kind of always the best serial killer in a movie. Not, not in real life, but in a movie. I need to clarify that before people are like, oh, so he's really gotten all about female serial killers. Right. Killing is bad. Right. Killing is bad no matter what. But in a movie, a female serial killer is always the best serial killer. <laughs> True story. So Matt asked his mom if Cassie could come stay the night to, to make her feel safer. Right. To which his mom real quick says no. Right. Turned it down real fast. But, to give her some credit, she did offer for Cassie to come home with them, and she could stay at their house. Cassie ultimately turned down the offer because she had to watch the animals and let the dogs out really early in the morning. I feel that shows the responsibility. And a lot of maturity at the age of 16. Like, yeah, you're scared, but you're like, at the same time... I have a job to do. I have a job to do. I have to stay here. And if my aunt and uncle are going to come home... Because you, she probably doesn't know exactly what time her aunt and uncle are going to come home. She just knows she needs to be at the house. And if she's not there and gives some wild tale of why she stayed at her boyfriend's house that night before, they're going to be pissed. Right, right. You know, and then they're going to tell her mom. Her mom's going to be pissed. It's just going to be a whole thing. Exactly. And so I can see in her mind where she's like, I'm not trying to get in trouble for anything. Right. I'm going to just stay here. Yeah, it's weird the power went out a couple of times, but it's back on. Things are normal now. Right, right. Matt's mother arrived around 10.30 p.m. to get him. Matt called Tori, hoping to meet up with him, and Brian to continue hanging out. However, Matt could barely hear anything he's saying. 
assuming that they were still at the movie theater. However, remember callers, Brian and Tori are not at the movies. They're in the basement of Cassie's aunt and uncle's house, where she is still house-sitting. Yeah, so that would be like an easy, believable thing, I guess, because they said they wanted to go to the movie theaters. Right. Hello? No, I can't. Like, <laughs> I can't talk right now. I'm in the movies. Like, no, you gotta go away. I'll call you back later. Bye. You know, I, it's gonna be a conversation like that, where it's very whispered, very just, you could, they don't want to get caught. Right, yeah. You know, which is scary knowing what's going to happen. However, for Matt, it's almost a great thing that his mom does come to pick him up because of the events to follow. Right, and that she turned it down. Yeah. With Matt officially out of the house, Brian and Tori turn the power off again, using the circuit breaker, hoping to lure Cassie downstairs. But again, it fails. So they decide to make take matters into their own hands. It seems as if Cassie has zero fucks with what's going on in nature. You know, for me, <laughs> it's just one of those things where, like, you're sitting there and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, again? Because now <laughs> she's probably irritated because every time that power goes off, that movie is probably reset every single time. Oh, probably, yeah. Because it's a DVD, so, like, when the power comes back on, it probably goes right back to that main screen. So she's going through, like, Kill Bill is not a, like, short movie. No. So she's going through all of those scene selections, trying to figure out where the hell she was last. <laughs> and if she's anything like me, where like anxiety rules your life sometimes, and there's been like an issue that keeps happening, you start to like pause stuff just to remember where you were, hoping that you can get through whatever you're trying to get through. So she's probably not pissed about the power turnout. She's pissed she has to refine her spot in this long ass movie, like over and over again. Oh, yeah. And she's probably like, nobody else's power is going out. Did my aunt and uncle forget to pay the fucking power bill? Are they having right. a circuit problem around here? Right. Because in my mind, she's cussing. Oh, There's absolutely. a lot of cussing going on. Even if there's... You can be the sweetest person on the face of the earth, but everybody has a limit. And I think the power going off multiple times in a short period of time, that's when you're like, damn it all! <laughs> exactly. I would believe that. So they headed upstairs. While upstairs, Brian opened and slammed a door shut a few times, again hoping to scare her or draw her towards their location. Yet again, nothing from Cassie. Listen, the moment I hear people slamming doors in anybody's house, I go, who's paying the damn bills around here? You paying the bill? <laughs> right. You pay a bill, you get to slam a door. Until then, you shut the hell up. Like, I could understand being passive over the lights going on and off for whatever fucking reason. But once shit starts slamming in, inside, that would pique my curiosity a little bit. Yeah, you know, and she, we because we were not there at that time, and nobody really was there except for these two douches and Cassie. Yep. She may have very much been nervous or, you know, went looking, but to them, they never noticed her. And so there could be a lot of fear there that we would never actually know. But I really like us portraying Cassie as just this badass that didn't give a flying fuck <laughs> about anything because she's there to do one damn job, and that's to keep that house safe and keep those animals safe. So I guess two jobs in the end. Right. Then, dressed in complete black clothing, wearing black gloves 
and their red and white horror film style masks. Brian, armed with a dagger style knife, and Tori with a hunting knife, went into the pitch black living room just to stare and listen to Cassie breathe. Okay, so my question is, is she asleep at this point? So there is conflicting stories during my research. A couple of them said that she was asleep. Okay. And a couple of them said she was awake. And just kind of sat in there. Heard them and was saying, what are you doing here? And then threatened to kick their ass and then <sighs> charged at them, supposedly. Okay. So there's two different conflicting stories. That's kind of why I didn't include it because... Equal amounts. I couldn't choose which way. Right. So that gives me full body chills to think that you, it's completely dark and you just all of a sudden see a white mask in front of you. That is terrifying in and of itself. For sure. Or if they were just like standing behind her and wanting to listen to her breathe. That is weird. Like that is weird beyond weird to me. Oh, I completely agree. Just the thought of it being pitch black and someone being there. Do you have that eerie feeling of someone watching you? To me, it's such a weird violation of like your space at that point. Because I've I've had somebody walk up behind me and scare me, even just on accident. But to be purposely doing it is such a strange, like, in my great-grandma's terms, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Seconds later, they attacked the helpless Cassie, stabbing her approximately 30 times before leaving the house and letting her bleed out. The medical examiner later determined that 12 of those 30 stab wounds were fatal. The following day, Saturday, September 23rd, 2006, Matt, still concerned about Cassie, ends up calling her 15 times. Cassie's mother also tried to call her and text her several times throughout the day, but never got a response back. In another twist, Matt was with his so-called friend Tori that afternoon as well. Eventually, Matt asked him if he could take him to Cassie so he could hang out with her. Tori told him that he didn't have enough gas to get there and back. Matt would end up spending the night at Tori's place. That is fucking sick. Right. No, I won't take you to see her because I know I've murdered her. No, he didn't have gas. Right. <laughs> But why don't you spend the night with me? Because I don't want you to see your dead girlfriend. Right, right. And then can we talk about 30 stab wounds and 12 of them being fatal? Yeah, that's something that blew my mind. Because you and I have covered quite a bit over these five seasons. Yep, and it normally only takes one fatal stab wound to kill somebody. Right. Well, typically they only ever land one. (laughs) One or two fatal stab wounds. The fact that they had 12 is terrifying. Right. And I guess I just can't imagine being, how is he calm? Yeah, while talking to Cassie's boyfriend. Right. He is so calm about all of this, and he knows what he's done, what he, what he has done at right. this point. I guess this just shows, like, when you are truly a sociopath, you just really don't have those emotions. Yeah, it's just gone. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. On Sunday, September 24th, Cassie's aunt, uncle, and cousin were set to arrive back home from their trip. At around 1.15 that afternoon, Cassie's 13-year-old cousin was the first in the house and the first to find Cassie's lifeless body on the living room floor. Now, how traumatizing would that be? 
I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. That is traumatizing, no matter what age. Right. I I could not imagine walking into my home and finding somebody murdered. And especially your cousin. Right. Or you know, Or any family member, for that matter. And especially with an attack that is clearly so, so vicious. 30 stab wounds, that... That is going to be very noticeable. Yeah, yep. You know, and with, it was 12, correct? That were fatal. 12 fatal. I'm I'm not trying to be gross, but there has to be a lot of blood. Oh, oh yeah. You know, everywhere at this point. Because just to kind of reiterate, she has, Cassie's been in this house dead for a whole day before anybody's come to, come in to see her. She was stabbed Friday night. Yep. And so Saturday, she was dead in the house the whole day. Yep. The night, and now Sunday afternoon, somebody's finally found her. Yeah. And that's just, that I feel bad for Cassie. Not just because she was a victim, but because then she was just left. And not, yeah. you know, I always hate when I hear, oh, they were just left for dead. Yeah. You know, it's always the hardest to hear that. And it's even worse when you have somebody that comes in. And they see, it's just not what you're expecting. Exactly. Now, it didn't take long for the investigators to find out who was responsible. They obviously looked at Matt first. You always look at the husband or the boyfriend first. It doesn't matter what case, you always look at them first. Right. And especially with 30 stab wounds, that screams crime of passion. Right. Or the wife or girlfriend. I guess I should add that too. Yeah, he he was her boyfriend after all. Right. And if you're a love interest, you are definitely looking being looked into. Absolutely. But when it turned out his story or alibi was ironclad, their attention turned to the two other people that were in the house that Friday night. Brian Draper and Tori Adam Chick. Yeah, I have to kind of hand it to Matt's mom because I know that when they questioned Matt at first... They didn't believe him. Yep, because he lacked that of the emotion. Right. They said he wasn't crying, he wasn't this, he wasn't that. We've got to stop doing that as just a general society. Stop expecting people to have um, these certain emotions. Because if I had just been told you had been murdered, I may not cry right away. There may be just this total shock that comes over me, and then wondering what happened, and then... I would probably have that complete breakdown afterward, you know, once I ran right. through all of that. Now, it may happen very quick. It may happen days later. I don't know. But what I do know is that I hear that a, we, I guess I should say we both hear that a lot of, well, they didn't cry the way we thought they should, or they didn't react the way we thought they should. Well, who are you to talk on somebody's emotions on how you think they should react? You're not them. Right, right. And so Matt's mom being there to say, no, I picked him up. I asked Cassie, do you want to come stay the night with us? She said, no, Matt was in that house the rest of the night because I don't want to say Matt's mom was a helicopter parent. She she wasn't, <laughs> but she was one of those moms that like, she knew what the fuck was going on in her home. Right. And so when she told people, my son didn't leave this house, she knew he didn't leave that house. Right, meaning Matt's home, not right. Cassie's aunt and uncle's. Right. When Matt's mom came and got him, he was home and he, he stayed home. Yep. 
It didn't take long for these two pieces of shit to turn on each other, though. Both blaming the other, both claiming they didn't even do the stabbing. Well, yeah, because somebody wants a better deal. Exactly. Brian even agreed to show the detectives where they attempted to dispose of the items used to kill Cassie. However, one of those items included a tape of them talking about killing Cassie. Then, during the investigation, a video was uncovered that included footage of both of them reacting to having just killed Cassie. Yeah, and you can actually look that up online onto YouTube. We were going to possibly play it here, but I really just fucking hate these two, and I don't want to give them any more attention for yeah. that. But they, at one point, talk about, we're just, we're better than Ted Bundy, like, we're going to be the coolest serial killers ever. Yeah, it was very, very disturbing. If you could take frat boy douche <laughs> and put it into a 16-year-old child, you have these two. Right, right. All of it was more than enough evidence to place them both under arrest and charge them with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Well, yeah, because you don't get to talk about wanting to murder somebody on videotape (laughs) months prior and then commit the murder and not think you're going to get hit with that. I'm so glad there are so many stupid fucking criminals out there. Right. Who do a self-confession. We need to talk about this video a little bit more because they film... Cassie multiple times. These boys were friends with Cassie. Yes, they were all friends. They're the little four squad. Right. And the week leading up, there is video of them talking about, like, are you sure we have to do it to her? So they contemplated it. Because they did have a whole list. List, like a hit list almost. Yeah. Yeah. That night before they kill her, they're videoing her at her locker, being like, hey, Cassie, what's up? How are you? What are you doing tonight? And she even says, I have to house it at my aunt's. It's just all very disturbing. Because, And I think they needed to know where she was going to be because they didn't know if she was going to be home or if she was going to be at her aunt's house. And I think had she not been at her aunt's house, they wouldn't have attacked her. I think they would have picked somebody else on that list. Yeah, uh, more than likely. Because they wanted her to be alone. Right. Okay, now that we have these two little dickheads in our pocket, please tell me there's some sweet, sweet justice on the way. Oh, absolutely. For trial time, this one is short and sweet. With the mountain of evidence against them, they were both found guilty. And Brian giving that evidence, trying to get a nice deal, didn't do shit. They were both given a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole. Plus, an additional 30 years for conspiracy to commit murder. Good. Fuck both of them. Exactly. And they are both serving their time at the Idaho State Correctional Institution. And as of 2019, their appeals were denied. Good. They don't deserve to have any bit of freedom. I completely agree. Obviously, Cassie's whole family was impacted by her death. But also her aunt, uncle, and cousin were impacted as well. And I would say probably the most because they had a witness at. <laughs> yeah, right. Since their house was a crime scene, they couldn't stay there. The local sheriff's office offered help with a temporary living situation, but the family couldn't bring themselves to go back. They would try to sell it, but it took a while for someone to buy the house that has such a horrific history. 
Also, Cassie's cousin, the one who found her body on the living room floor, suffered a mental breakdown and attempted suicide. All of that is understandable. Right. Absolutely understandable. Anytime. So the other day, the Watts family house sold. Okay. Yep. And it's been years since those murders happened and it just now sold. And I thought, would I be bothered by going and living in a house knowing that somebody has been murdered? Right. And I thought, oh, 100%. I would probably be very bothered by this is where this happened. This is what happened here. Because that is our profession. This is what we do all the time. We would know. And so I'm just letting you know now, if you ever want to move from the house that we're currently in with the well ghost, (laughs) we can't move into a home that a murder has been committed in. It's going to bother me. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I would feel... I would think I would be more okay with moving into the Watts home because not all the murders happened in that house. Right. Whereas this one, you walked into your your living room, living room and there's a body. Right. And then remember there was the show uh, Murder House Flip. Yeah. And we, you know, it was on Tubi, I want to say, or Roku. And we watched all of those. And I was just like, oh, I feel so bad for these people. Because sometimes they're pulling up carpet and there's still blood, blood and yeah, you know different gross. residue that was still left over. Because it, as well as they clean, stuff gets left over. Right. I would want to gut the whole house. I'd be like, tear it down. Just <laughs> exactly. Take it away. Goodbye, house. Right. I don't want to live there. I feel like that probably puts a lot on the aunt and uncle. Because now, where do you live? You most people don't have enough money saved up to, to just, just go buy yeah. another house. Yeah. You know, and so I hope I hope that maybe they went to live with Cassie's mom for a short period of time just to kind of comfort both ends. Right. You know, because she just lost her daughter. They just lost their niece. Now they're losing their home. They didn't lose their niece. Oh, oh, oh you mean the aunt and uncle? Yeah, the aunt and uncle okay, lost okay. their niece. You know, and they lost their home. I understand that they still have their home, but really they've lost their home. Right. Exactly. Because of this. And I'm surprised that there's not charges that could be added on to somebody when you commit a murder in a home that if it causes the people there not to want to live there, that there isn't some kind of weird charge that you could put there for just, you know, displacing somebody from their home. Right. I'm sure they could have tried to get some sort of a civil action. Right. But the kids were so young, what are they going to get? And at that point, you're only suing the family members because those family members of the murderers are going to have to pay that out. Right. And I, I don't think people know that. When you sue somebody in a civil matter and they're in prison, somebody's paying, typically the parents. Right. Well, it's more so they were under 18. Right. So how is this brutal crime connected to Season 5 theme of murderous entertainment? Well, shortly after the trial, Tori would say that he was inspired by the Scream horror film franchise to commit and follow through with the murder. The same scream in which teens are terrorized, usually in their own homes, and killed by someone wearing a mask who later turns out to be one of their friends. And thus, Cassie Jo Stoddart's murder would end up being called the Scream Murder. I would also like to note, too, that had they not been caught two days later, that list of friends that we talked about were also going to become victims. Because they very much wanted to fulfill the Scream-like franchise and make it their own. Right. 
this is actually something that would later go on to inspire the sixth Scream installment, where people are reenacting the original murders, but with family members. I know it's a spoiler alert if you haven't seen (laughs) it. There's two killers, just like these people are, and they're killing people that are related to the original victims from the first movie. And there you have it. Season 5, Episode 2. I do like how Episode 1... Is tied in to Episode 2. Right. One was how... How it was created, how the movie was created. And then Episode 2 is... How people used the movie to commit the murder. I would also like to add, too, just because you see something on TV or you see a movie doesn't give you an excuse to then go out and commit a murder. Right, right. You are in charge of your own actions. And with that said, if you or anyone that you know is struggling with a mental health crisis or suicide thoughts, please call the National Hotline for Mental Health Crisis and Suicide Prevention at 988. Again, that number is 988. So because this case was just absolutely horrible and I really don't want to give these guys any more of our time, I'm going to tell a dad joke that your dad told us. Okay. What does The Sixth Sense and the Titanic have in common? I don't know. What does The Sixth Sense and Titanic have in common? I see dead people. <laughs> I still think it's so funny. I see dead people. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of like how he asked us when he said it, so that's why I was like, wait, how did it go? Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. Also, don't forget to follow us on socials, facebook.com slash callusdead. Follow us on TikTok at callusdead, where you can see some fun videos of us, or better yet, the fluffy cat Jakaris, the babies, Emma and Regina, or of course, our lovable dog, Lola and Bailey. I would further like to add, if you are a local business, or just a business in general, and you would like to advertise on the podcast, please email us at callusdead at yahoo.com, where you can also... Tell us what you thought about the case, ask some questions, suggest some cases or seasons, or let us give a special shout out to someone for you. But until then, remember to stay strong, do everything with love, know there is always hope, and if you forget, you can always call call us when when you're you're dead. dead.